everybody. Welcome back to Mad Yet Mighty. I'm your host, Megan Cipollone. And here we are. Here we are, folks. It's that time of the year again. You know, it's that time of the year when I am sitting here and I feel like May was is just a twinkle in my eye. You know, as, as we sit here in the first week of August, or as I sit here in the first week of August, which could technically, I guess, just automatically be the first week of September if we really want to, if we really want to talk about it, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. (laughs) I'm in mourning. I need to start. I think I need to start my, I think I need to start taps. What am I talking about, Megan? What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about the slowly creeping in of morning that happens when August hits and you realize that summer is over. Okay, summer's not really over, but it might as well be over, right? Everyone's already starting to talk about fall. I literally drove on the street the other day. Well, of course, because that's where you drive. But I drove on, I was driving somewhere and I turned to my right. I'm at a stoplight. And what do I see? I see a Halloween Express and I went, it is the beginning of August. What is going on? But I guess, again, when you think about it, Halloween is like in two months. I mean, it's not two months. It's like three months, but still, I mean, people got to get ready for it. But then this in September, we're then going to have Christmas. It's just that time of year where it feels like everything just hits you like a Mack truck. And I feel like May was like I said was just a tw- is just a twinkle in the eye now like there's something so special about May it's like I start getting flutters and I'm excited spring's here summer's around the corner nothing feels better than June June is like the Friday of months like June happens and you're like the world is my oyster it is endless here we go I'm excited I'm I'm feeling frisky I'm feeling fabulous Summer's here. The sun is hot. My skin is starting to get tan and literally I'm unstoppable. And then June is like so long. I feel like June feels so long. And then July happens and you, July is when I start to get like July 4th weekend. I'm like, this is it folks. This is it. Wrap her up. It's happening. Isn't that terrible? I used to, okay. So let me just start back. I used to be really, I used to get really hardcore Sunday scaries. This was also back when I was dealing with like some severe, severe, severe anxiety and just like overall generalized anxiety. But like I used to get severe Sunday scaries where like it's like a joke within my family. Like, oh gosh, like remember that, remember that period of your life where like, like it would be like Saturday night or it was like Sunday, Sunday morning. And like, I would just be in mourning all day Sunday. (laughs) It was, it was dark. It was dark and it was just awful. I'm not like that anymore. And I really, we still have the whole month of August and it's going to be great. The reason why I'm slowly starting to get the creeps coming in is that the back to school season is equivalent to like Christmas rush at the mall for me and my work. Working in higher education sales is literally when school goes back, it's like the roof blows off the place. And like, that's, that's just, that's just how work is. So I'm starting to ramp up for the busiest season of my work year. <laughs> so if you can imagine coming back from vacation, I, I feel like I had a month. I was in Key West. Then I was at YouthX, my um, church's youth ministry camp, summer camp. And then I was on my actual vacation where it wasn't just like a weekend. It was a week-long vacation of not setting an alarm, which I don't know about you, but the best thing in life is not setting a work alarm. Oh, I saw something the other day where it was an article. I don't know if it was like a CNN article or something, but I saw that somewhere in Britain or the UK, they're testing a four day work week and it's like going, it's going over like exponentially well, which hello, of course it is. Who in their right mind, honestly, if we had a four day week, it would change the game. A four day work week would be would just like having a three, having a three day weekend, because here's the thing, folks, Friday night, when we get home from work, it's like, great, we're feeling great. It's just the same thing like June, it feels great. 
really technical. I mean, we have Friday night, but I feel like Friday night doesn't even really count because we don't even have all day Friday. We get home, we're feeling good. We're like, oh, Friday, we're so tired from work. It's really like, I, you know, you sit on the couch, you might have a nice dinner, you might watch a movie or a TV show. And then Saturday's it. So then, and then because Sunday, you're you're like preparing for Monday. So really technically we only have a one day weekend is the way that I look at it. So if you give us a three day weekend, then we're cooking with gas here. And we actually have two days to like have some come to Jesus's, have a moment, like settle the old cortisol, like bring down the stress in our bodies. But I, I, I read that and I was like, wow, America will probably never, never say never. As a uh, good old Justin Bieber once said, never say never. But I feel as if America will be the one place will everyone else will be on a four day work week with a three day work work or weekend. And over here in good old uh, US of A will still be rocking the five day work week, two day, two day weekend. Because that just that just seems to be how things are going. But not to just start this off on a um, not to start this off on a downer note. Don't worry, y'all. We still have a we still summer still here. But, um, I mean, people are going back to school next week. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And I cannot believe that we're literally going into fall. I cannot believe it's about to be my birthday. Like, what is going on? And then we just hit the holiday hoopla, which is literally, again, like a train that hits. And you can't, once it starts, you can't stop it. And then it's, we got Halloween, then we got Thanksgiving, and then we're Christmas, and then we're New Year's, and then we're going to be you know, then we're going to be coping. And that's just, that's just the way that the cookie crumbles, but I'm doing well. How are you? (laughs) How are you doing? I uh, got back from vacation and had to dive back in, dive back into work and work's been on the upswing. So this week for me has just been trying to just level out and keep my cool, which actually has gone over rather well, but vacation was lovely. We were down in Gulf Shores, Alabama, which I've talked about before. And I, people, you you vacation in Alabama? Yes, we vacation in Alabama. It's not, it's basically Florida. It's the Florabama line where Kenny Chesney sings about in all of his songs. Basically, you're on Alabama on one side and you can drive down the street and you're in Florida. It's on the Gulf. We are big Gulf people. We love Gulf water. We love Gulf beaches. The sand is like a padded sugar. The sand is so nice. Not a lot of shells. The shelling is a little bit subpar, but we had a lovely time. I went with my family and then my dad and then my extended family on my dad's side. And we all were in a big house. We were right on the beach, which is the way to do it. We're not, none of that sweaty, that sweaty walk when you're staying in like a condo across the street or even down the way and you have to like load up your wagon and you got to load the food, you got to load the cooler, you got to pack the kids in tow, you got to put on your sunscreen before you leave because putting sunscreen on the beach is the biggest no-no. It is the grossest thing. There is nothing worse than having sunscreen on your hands and then having granules of sand and you're trying to rub it in. Thinking about it now gives me the heebie-jeebies. So yeah, we got to walk, we were literally could walk from our back, back door right onto the beach. None of that schlepping, that schleppy, sweaty walk to the beach, which honestly, if I had to do that, I would do it. (laughs) The beach is the beach. But um, yeah, it was lovely. Weather was, weather was great. We didn't have any, um, you know, it's good old Florida. So you get like a, you get a little bit of a rain passing through every day, but then it's like stunning. Nothing really, it was really a chill vacation. Wasn't any like crazy things that happened. I did, as anyone, if you are a listener of this podcast, you do know that I have an obsession with any kind of marine encounter and or marine life and have had marine encounters in the past. One being definitely a shark. Um, Others always, always seeing marine life either beached or like seeing manta rays in a wave or like, I mean, there's always dolphin sightings like, hello. But this time, actually, we took a boat out for the day. We always like to do a boat day and take a pontoon out and kind of cruise around the waterways and beach up on a little island and just kind of hang out. And for some reason, we always end up going around the same time uh, down to the Gulf. It's typically in July going into August, and it's very much jelly jellyfish season. 
So we, when we're boating and we're looking over, I mean, we're just swimming through pods and pods and pods. I don't even know if that's the technical word, but we're swimming through pods of jellyfish. Hundreds, hundreds, thousands of jellyfish. So when we dock up, we just see them kind of floating everywhere. And you're like, oh, it really wasn't, really couldn't like wade in the water. And um, your, your gal here took a couple steps in and what do you know? had a jellyfish just wrap right around her, her, her knee and stung me, stung me uh, terribly. I was trying to think of a witty saying and nothing came out fast enough. Uh, and I've never been stung by a jellyfish, so I had no idea what to, what to expect. And it was like the crazy, it was the weirdest feeling ever. And hurt really bad um, and hurt really bad after. It's no, I did not have anyone pee on me. Um, I sure, I sure did not, sure did not have that. Nobody offered. So, you know, I don't know if I would have taken them up on that if they offered, but nobody did. So, um, that was like my, that was peak Marine, uh, Marine encounter for me on this trip, which in the moment it was awful. And then after I was like, all right, I can check that off my bucket list. I've been stung by a jellyfish. What's up? Like, I loved it. I, I kind of loved it. Hated it in the moment. There were dolphins. We saw quite a bit of dolphins. We always, I, I feel like if, if I don't see a dolphin, it's, it's a very, very sad day. Dolphins are, dolphins are pretty much my favorite animal on the face of the planet. Um, I, if I could hug one and kiss one on, on the beak, I would, or on their snout, I would. I have a very deep confliction inside because all I want to do is swim with dolphins, but I know that it's animal cruelty and I am obviously not about that. Ever since watching Blackfish, my entire life has changed. Even though I still pray to see marine encounters, I just cannot. It's sad because all I want to do is swim with the dolphin. I, you know what? I will swim with the dolphin one of these days and I'm just going to like call a spade a spade. Like I have to have that experience. I get emotional when I see dolphins. It is like this whole, I feel like I'm connected to them. I feel like they are just the most beautiful creature on the face of the planet, bottlenose specifically. They are so cute. They are so sweet. They are so smart. I do know that they can get a little frisky and aggressive with humans though. I have seen some really interesting videos and kind of, you know, changed my, kind of changed my view. Dolphins are mammals though. So can we blame them? Can we blame them for having any kind of like urge? I don't think so, but I will be, I, I will swim with dolphins at one point in my life. I, I, I have to, I have to. And I, like I said, I want to hug, I want to, I want to embrace one. I want to have one embrace me because they, because that's one of their little tricks, tricks that they do. They spin around, they do that, like they like wave, they like wave their fins, they go to one side and they, and they wave and they embrace you. And then you can kiss them. And all I want to do is kiss a dolphin on its, on its snout. <laughs> it's not a snout. It's not a beak. I'm not really sure what to call it. Kiss, kiss the dolphin on its lips. It's <laughs> my dream come true. And just see them. At first, I think I'd be a little scared seeing like a dark thing coming up, swimming behind, like swimming to me. But um, gosh, I just think about it now and it's just like I have like the biggest smile across my face, like swimming with swimming with dolphins would be so great. But we did see some jump outside of our right outside of our boat. We saw some babies. So it was lovely. It was lovely. And really, like I said, it was a really low key vacation. I only had one day when I had to I had to put myself down. Um, and that's because I, you know, decided to partake in a couple of early morning tequilas because I was playing ladder golf or hillbilly golf on the beach and I need a beverage in my hand when I play those and you know now that I'm 30 I used to go to the beach on vacation and like that was my time where I was just like you know just knocking them back like that's to me what the beach is about I'm sitting on the beach I'm relaxing and you know I'm tying one on so now that I'm 30 though, it, things change. Like I'm, I'm not really in like, that's just kind of my overall thing. Like I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge drinker in like this, when in this, in the retrospect of like quantity, like I don't like I, before I even went on vacation, I literally don't even, can't even pinpoint the last time. Like I had anything, had any drinks. 
Um, I don't, it's just not, I don't know. But then when I do and I go out, I obviously like to have a good time and I'm not afraid to have a good time and I don't prevent myself from having a good time. But, um, on the beach, I was a little bit more conservative this year. I would say I just kind of like, I just love to sit. I love sitting. I will play a game or two and my competitive nature comes out. And then like, once I get out of my system, like I'm good, I'm good to sit in the chair and literally do nothing. I would have, you know, family members ask, Megan, do you want it on in on this round? And I would look them in the eyes and I would say, no, I do not. <laughs> like, just gone are the days of me people pleasing and being like, oh, yeah, like, like I, oh, yeah, sure. Like, if I'm done, I no longer feel bad. I'm sitting on the beach. I am going into a meditative state and I'm not playing a game unless I actually want to play a game. I did play a couple games. Like I said, I had one day when I started, you know, I had... I think my first tequila was at 9 a.m. Sue me. And then, you know, I had three or four. And by one o'clock, I was allegedly, allegedly, my sister saw me talking to myself as I walked up to the house. I'm not sure if I believe her or not. And if I was talking to myself, I was probably giving myself a pep talk saying, you can do this, girl. You can do this. But um, <laughs> that was my that was my one day. And that was actually the day that I played my best ladder golf game okay so get off my back girls gotta do what a girl's gotta do to throw some points on the board okay so that's what I did I played some I, I played a little bucket ball which um to give you a visual picture well let me give you a visual picture of what ladder golf is so we have these stands made out of P pvc pipe is that the correct terminology pvc pipe and um we have one on one side one on the other and there's three rungs it's really kind of hard to describe. They stand upright and there's three rungs going horizontally. We have golf balls dr with holes drilled through them and there's a rope. So it's a golf ball on each side of the rope and it's kind of like a little lasso thing. So you're, you know, teams of two, you're standing on one side and the top rung of the, the top rung is three points. The second rung is two and the last rung is one. And you throw, I think we do four throws per person. And essentially you try to hit, you know, hit, hit the rungs. And if you're, and if your opponent hits the same rung, cancels it out, it's kind of similar to, um, cornhole or bags, depending on where you are in, in the, uh, in the nation. And quite, you know, that's the game I typically tend to be better at. Um, bucket ball is where it looks like we have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, six buckets and you set them up like you would playing pong. So you got three buckets back row, two middle, one in the front shaped like a diamond one on again, you know, teams of two and you have tennis balls and you're essentially playing pong on the beach in a large form. And that game, I'm not so great at, I am a closer as they call as they say, I'm a closer in that game. Um, I always get the last bucket, and then my in-between game is kind of minimal. Um, I feel like I play better under pressure. That's just kind of how I feel like in my daily life as well. So we played a little bucket ball, sat on the beach. I did not go in the water a lot this year, folks. I was just scared of shark. I mean, you know, Marine Meg over here wants to see an encounter, but... I, I, there was, we were seeing way too many shark TikToks from Orange Beach in Alabama in Gulf Shores, way too many shark TikToks, like creepy. And the sharks are literally just everywhere and you do, just don't know it. And I'm, you know, after my, after my scare, uh, two summers ago, I think I've had my fair share of going in the water up to my neck. That's just really not my game anymore. I could barely get in the water up to my knees. I just had like this spooked fear and it's probably because I wasn't knocking, knocking back as many drinks as I normally do. Um, cause that gives you a little bit of like that courage, but yeah, so that was vacation. Um, had a, had a, had a two pound crab leg dinner at the end, <laughs> which if honestly, if I could film content, <laughs> I would never do mukbangs and I'm not saying anything dirty. I'm not saying anything bad for anyone. A mukbang is literally where it's a actual, it's an actual term. I do believe it has to do, and I, I don't want to get anything incorrect, but I do believe a mukbang is an actual term, a cultural term from Asian culture where you're sitting down and you're, you're eating 
um, I don't know if it's with your eating in a group or if you're actually eating on camera, but you're being you're you're filming yourself eat. It's like a, it's it's a thing. It was it's on all of rage like online. But if you could see me work a stack of crab legs, I think your jaw would drop to the floor. I don't mess around. My brother and I both got the two pound two pounds of snow crab meal. Um, market price was sixty nine ninety nine. Yes, uh, I did eat a $70 crab, uh, crab leg meal. Um, I do it once a year, so I feel like I owe myself that. And I also, that's all, that's pretty much enough as, of, of crab legs as I need to eat a year because then I pay for it the next day because I wake up and I can barely see my pupils because my eyes are swollen so big. So nothing like a good old obey, um, old bay shot to the, shot to the veins is essentially what happens. So had my crab leg meal, um, literally beat my, and, and this was not, this was not a competition. I am not in an eating competition. I am strictly eating and I'm trying to get the best crack. I'm trying to be most efficient when I'm eating my crab legs and I'm trying to get the nice, the biggest pool of meat every time. That's what she said. So I finished my crab legs in honestly kind of staggering record time. Um, my brother was lagging a little bit behind me. He was doing a good job, but, um, I'm telling you right now, I don't, I don't know if it's because I've, I've just have, and it's not like I go out and practice at Chinese food restaurants, but I think when I, I have, I have had myself quite a few uh, plates of crab legs and I know the tricks, I know the trade. And, um, <laughs> there was actually a little girl who was sitting at the table beside us <laughs> who turned around and I'm kid you not, the second that the waiter put down my brother and I's plates of crab legs, this little girl full on turned around and watched us from the moment she set her crab leg plates down to the moment we were done. It obviously was a good enough show where this little girl watched us every single moment of the way. I mean, if I was out of body, I, I mean, I felt like I was a robot machine eating those crab legs. I've never moved swifter, quicker, more um, deliberate. My execution was stellar. Um, it was actually quite frightening to be, to be completely honest with you, but you know what? I'm proud. I'm a proud gal and I had myself a mighty fine time and it was mighty fine crab legs. So the little girl got a nice show and, um, I had myself, again, I had myself a lovely dinner. So yes, that, that was a whole, that was a whole separate thing, which if I could have recorded myself, I'm telling you, it's probably like the scariest thing to see me mow. I mean, it was call me mo queen like that's literally what i did is mo through two pounds of crab legs seamlessly effortlessly and like a goddess but um yeah so that was vacation before just kind of doing a little like life updates um before that i was at youth x 22 which is um elevation churches youth ministry summer camp where um it's based out of our main church location is out of Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina. But then we have multiple campuses all over the um, Carolinas. And then we have some in Florida. We have a campus um, in Canada. Or is it Canada? Ontario. Um, and then we obviously have like our online community um, that we call eFam. eFam. But this was my second year at UFEX. And it was the, I, um, I went and was with my high school girls. And then obviously we had our other groups. We all went as a campus together. We bust up all together on charter buses. Um, it's middle school and high school students within, um, our church. So we all went up together. We stayed there for three days, two nights. We were in, was it two nights? Yeah, two nights. Um, we were in hotels and then we had different activities. We had different worship experiences throughout the day. And it was one of the, it was one of the best, it was one of the most challenging experiences of my life and the most rewarding experiences of my life. Um, I was over, I am one of three of the high school girl leaders at my, um, at our campus. And I was, unfortunately, for good reason, I was the the one that went up, went by myself this year, technically. My other two leaders, one just had a baby and one has a baby on the way. So 
Um, I was manning the girls with help of we had um, we had other volunteers, but you know, girls from our campus. I was their leader that was there, so you know, I had a lot of responsibility. I had 15, 15 girls that. I wanted to make sure we're having the best experience that they could possibly have, that they were connecting with other girls, that they were having sharing, that they were being heard, that they were feeling comfortable, that they were being fed, that everyone was feeling well, that everyone was drinking water, that everyone was, um, you know, getting into worship experiences, getting seats and really just doing whatever I could to make sure that they could have an experience with God because that is what this is all about. And through these, you know, with these youth camps and when we are in our year, our actual year where we're meeting as groups and we have our curriculum throughout the year that we do when we meet um, with, with our groups, it, it's, it's funny because we're there for them, but I'm equally, I'm equally ministered to and I feel like I hear from God louder when I'm around them um and you know this second time the first time it was different we were in COVID we the camp was a very hybrid situation we didn't get to go up to our main campus we watched it was all virtual we watched it from here in Columbia we did you know activities here together around Columbia but it wasn't like we were all there at the camp together with, I mean, there was over 2,000 students. We had over 500 volunteers. It was huge. It was massive. Um, and this year, all being there, it was just a completely different experience. And I was actually the first time that I got to see our church's pastor, um, Stephen Furtick. I, I, I see him every weekend via screen, but it was the first time that I got to be in his presence live while he was preaching preaching the word of God. And it was a memory that I will never forget. It was so, it was so special to me. And it's, it's funny when I try to like recite, it's, it's, it's one of the things that is, 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 is so difficult because when you're in these moments and you're having these, these encounters with God and you're having these encounters and within yourself, you feel so much and so much makes sense in the moment right then and there because that's what makes it special. And that's, what, that's when you know and that's what makes it unique that God's speaking to you in that moment when everything is just clicking and everything seems to be like – I always talk about synchronicity, which is like the, the order of events just seems to line up so special. But going into this Youth X, I was really expectant and really looking for – a word that would, a word from God that would launch me into this next phase of my life. Cause I've been doing a lot of, um, been doing a lot of preparation, been feeling like I'm making progress, but just have been waiting for like this next, this even next phase. And the night that we, we had, um, how many sermon, how many we had, oh gosh, one, two, three, four, five. We had five or six actual like worship experiences where we went in and we had the worship, our, um, our worship team, which is called Elevation Rhythm for our youth ministry, play their sets. And then we had, um, different sermons, five or six different sermons. And, um, the night that we had Pastor Steven, it just, I knew it was going to be special because I've never been actually physically in his presence while he preaches, but I, I had no idea really what was going to happen that, that night. And I knew it was going to be special because the way that the worship set, the songs that were playing during our worship set started to like strike me and hit me really, really, really hard in my heart. And it was like the order that they were, it was like speaking to me in ways that like I just wasn't, wasn't expecting um, and then the song came on that just completely catapulted me into tears. And I was pretty much a sobbing mess the rest of the night. 
and it was Elevation Rhythm's stripped-down version of Grave into Gardens by Elevation Worship and Brandon Lake. And it was like in that moment, God took me on like an entire flashback of my life in the last three years. And I'm probably going to get a little emotional as you can already hear in my voice as I talk about this. So just, (laughs) that's nothing new here, right? That's nothing new here on Mad Yet Mighty of me talking and crying and being and expressing because that's what we do and that's our right. So, um, Grave into Gardens was the, was the song that I heard three years ago in the middle of COVID in the middle of, um, when I was 27, I believe. And it was, I first heard it in the middle of COVID. It was also one of the most challenging years of my life and darkest years of my life. And it was when I was feeling the most lost. And it was also that year that I had the biggest wake up call of my life. And I never expected to feel the way that I feel today, three years ago. Three years ago, before I heard Grave into Gardens, before I stepped foot back into church, I was the most depressed I've ever been the most anxious I've ever been, the most overweight I was I had ever been, um, the most lost I'd, I, had, I had ever felt. I remember being in my apartment at the time in Cincinnati and shades drawn, lights off, feeling so empty inside, feeling so lost, feeling so sad, feeling so tired and so unmotivated and crying. And I remember like calling my parents one day in, in, in particular and just crying and just didn't even know how to, couldn't even, and I don't like to like call my parents and cry. It's not something that I do. Um, I typically tend to kind of self-soothe and take care of myself. And um, so for me to call my parents and just start crying and have really no explanation and can't even really, and know that they're not really going to be able to help me or fix it, but it's just something that I had to do. I just remember in that time, you know, and this is the same time where like, I mean, I could barely get out of bed in the morning. I used up so much PTO just to like not go to work. Um, I wasn't sleeping at all. I would fall asleep, but then couldn't stay asleep and was just tossing and turning and tossing and turning and was trying to get back on medicine to sleep. I mean, when I say y'all that like I was at the, I was at rock bottom, I was at rock bottom. And inside of a body that like I didn't feel good in, I felt uncomfortable in. I mean, you name it, it was happening to me. And I remember sitting on my couch and I remember sitting there and I remember thinking to myself, like, is this ever, is this how the rest of my life is going to be? Like, is this how the rest of my life is going to be? This right here, it just seemed like a tunnel and I seemed like there was no light at the end of the tunnel and I didn't, I couldn't see anything else and I didn't have vision and I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have, there was no hope. So I started going back to church, started going back to Crossroads Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is a very similar kind of feel to um, elevation and, but it was, it wasn't until I heard Grave into Gardens by Brandon Lake and Elevation Worship. And I actually watched the video that you can, it was their video on YouTube of their performance of it. And it was the lyrics that just struck my heart like I, my heart had never been struck before. And the song opens up with, I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade were never enough. And I saw the way that these people sang this song and the way that they 
how big they were and how joyous they were and how happy they were admits the pain that you can hear in the lyrics and the pain that I know we all feel as collective humans, but watching the freedom of it, just something just changed inside of me. And I knew that that was the love, that that was possible, that that freedom was possible and that those people are me, but they're feeling the love of God. And it completely shattered me and changed the way that I saw that you could have a relationship with God. And I, so then, so that was, so, so, so that was it. So then that kind of opened up this whole, because before that, like music and that, like hearing music and like worship music and like, you know, Christian music or church music, it, it never really like, I didn't really know that there was this whole world of just like this amazing music and this amazing kind of worship music that really could unlock your heart and unlock your soul and allow you to feel closer to God. I had no idea because, you know, in church up in where I was going like this, we had great music, but like I'd never seen anything like this. I'd never seen people react this way and sing this way and, and, and have their bodies just and not, and just not care what they looked like. It just was that to me was freedom. And I, and I looked and I said to myself, I said, I want to have that kind of relationship with God. I want to have that kind of relationship with Jesus. I knew it right then and there that that's what I wanted to have that. I wanted to have that relationship. And I knew it was going to be dependent upon me to, to lean in and to cultivate that relationship. And that's exactly what I started doing from that moment on. And now, you know, three years, you know, let's fast forward to three years. I'm sitting in a different state, completely alone. You know, I, I moved to a different state, had no family, had no friends here, moved for work, didn't know, didn't know anybody, um, left the state that I had been born and raised in and lived in my entire life and knew everything like the back of my hand because God told me to. So I listened because I told, I made, I told God that from here on out, I will do whatever you tell me to do. And I am going to listen to the voice. I started listening to the little voice, the small voice. And my pastor, Brian Tome at Crossroads Church when back in Cincinnati, that's when I really kind of started to understand like what that little voice was and who that little voice was. And it's that little voice that's speaking the good over you. That's speaking the, yeah, but what if, but what if it, what if it turns out good? Or the little voice that gave you ideas that like filled your heart with joy, but then you didn't do it because it was too big and it was too scary. That's the voice I started to follow because that's the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the voice of God. So I started following that voice and that voice, you know, and then the opportunities that the open doors that I started to receive. And I then moved down here and, you know, there was a lot of things in between that. There was a lot of small moments and discipline moments and getting myself up and getting myself on a routine and starting small and you know, starting with just drinking water, because when you're depressed, you literally do, like can't do and don't want to do anything. And then you're anxious. So then you, you can't like, it's the biggest cycle. So it was little things for me. So like, I mean, I'm talking about in this three years, there was a lot, there's a lot that has happened. But from where I started to where I am now today, 30 years old, at my second youth ex, leading high school girls in a church that I love, in a place that I have grown so much in listening to graves into gardens in the same church that it was recorded in when I watched it first originally three years ago in Cincinnati Ohio in the middle of a pandemic fresh off of the same year of a like devastating long-term breakup at my literal lowest of everything and I'm sitting in the church that it was taped in recorded in listening to it in the best place that I've ever been in in my entire life, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And at the same time, leading young, young souls. It was a very, 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 very emotional moment for me because it was a place that I never thought I was going to be in. And it was a place that I never pictured in a million years that I would be, that I would be in this spot right now, right here today doing this and having 
pursuing a relationship with God and in pursuing a relationship with God, finding out who I am and accepting who I am and becoming the best version of me that I can possibly be. And that's exactly what has happened. So the reason that I'm talking about this is because for a long time, I've been hesitant to really dive in to where I am spiritually and where I am with my relationship with God and becoming more like Jesus and trying to learn more about Jesus. And I've been hesitant to talk about it on this podcast because of people that have said things or people close to me that have said things, which not a lot, but you know, those little, those little negative seeds take root and that's how fear grows inside of you. And that's how we don't, we don't act out what we're supposed to. And we don't fulfill our purpose like we're supposed to is when we have those little small little seeds of fear that are planted within us. And those little seeds of fear can be planted from people that are closest to you. Please do not, do not think that like, it's weird that like, friends or family might plant seeds of fear in you like it's it it can come from anyone but I have been hesitant to talk about God and have been hesitant to really talk about it all on this podcast because of that and because of those little seeds where people were like you're not really going to talk about that are you because you're going to lose a bunch of people or like people aren't interested in that and you know what I don't care what people are interested in or what they're not interested in this is this is this is my life and this is important and what God can do in people's lives what God can do what God has been doing in my life what God can do in your life it is important and I'm going to talk about it <laughs> so for me it was a very it was a very full circle moment that I could it, it it was it was crazy I wish I could explain it better but I was sitting there and it was like I lost my eyesight for a minute and it was like all I was in it was like God showing me where I had started and then all of where I had come from and then where I was standing today. And then he also showed me where I'm going. And it was just, it was very, very emotional. And then the word that I heard from um, Pastor Stephen Furtick in that moment was earth shattering. And it was earth shattering because it was all about the little voice. And for my whole life, I've struggled with the voices in my head. Not like the crazy voices, but the voices in my head telling me that I can't. The voices in my head telling me that I'm not good enough. The voices in my head telling me you're going to look stupid. The voices in my head telling me that you're not qualified. I have struggled so badly with the voices and the self-worth. That's been my biggest, biggest, biggest hurdle to overcome. But then the voice, the little voice was also what pulled me out of my despair. And the little voice of God is what I started to listen to. So hearing this word being spoken over me when it was exactly what had gotten me out, it just was a, I knew that in that moment, I knew that I was supposed to be right there in that moment, at that time, in that point of my life, hearing this exact word being spoken over me and spoken over everyone in that room and spoken over my girls I mean my girls had I mean it was it was a word from God that was for everyone in that room and there was not a dry eye in that house and everyone and that's when you it's it's powerful when you experience something divine like that that is so specific to you and then you look to your left and your right and you see it being so specific to everyone around you, hearing it and digesting it and connecting with it, that's when you know that it's a word from God. And when you hear a word from God, it will change your life. So in that moment, you know, and then after that, it was like this overwhelming peace that just came over me. And it was this overwhelming peace that came over my body. And it was this overwhelming peace that came over my girls. And It was the love of God. And I am somebody who it's something that I've something that I learned and kind of it hit me during youth X because in my walk with God and my walk with Jesus, you know, it's a lot of like praying, praying for things and praying for things to come and praying for things to change and praying for healing. But I really realized in those days at youth X that I need to be 
even more grateful and even more thankful and even more aware for the overabundance of love that is just like outpouring from God. Then that's what I, that's like, that's the, that's the takeaway that I took from youth X this, this past summer was it wasn't anything I was specifically praying for. It wasn't anything that like, it was just like, wow, like, wow, God loves me so much. God loves us so much. I am so loved that I was literally saved from the darkest days. And who knows? I I honestly don't know what my trajectory would have been if I would have kept going down the path that I was going. Um, but it was, it was life-changing. So I, I say this and I, and I, and I talk about this because it is, it's so important, I think, for everyone to know whether you stand or wherever you stand. And it's, and it's also my experience, and this is also my podcast, so like I'm going to talk about my experience because it's, I just feel that it's where I'm supposed to go and it's what I'm supposed to do and it's part of my calling. So as, you know, this, this podcast is going to stay what it is. It's going to stay Mad Yet Mighty because it is, we are Mad Yet Mighty and, um, but you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be afraid and I'm not going to let fear stop me from talking about what's important. Um, what's, what's important and what's happening in my life. And that's when it comes to my spiritual walk. And I just had to make that, had to make that declaration, but it was, um, it was really big. And I had four high school girls decide to get baptized, which was absolutely just amazing to, to have teenagers decide on their own not their parents and not like not not like anything else for them but to decide on their own that they are going to publicly declaim publicly claim that they are that Jesus is their savior and that like God and and that they love God and that they're going to get and that they're going to get baptized and it was just it was really beautiful so it was that was an amazing um really amazing and probably the highlight of my summer um, being, being youth acts. Good stuff. Woo, baby. Good stuff. Well, let's get into, um, let's kind of switch gears here and let's chit chat about some film and TV because like, duh, we have to. Um, so it was actually confirmed y'all it's confirmed. We talked about it. We talked about it on one of the last, one of my last episodes that Lady Gaga was being rumored for Joker 2 and when there's smoke, there's fire, baby. And Lady Gaga confirmed it with a post that she will be um, partnering up and starring um, next to Joaquin Phoenix in Joker 2. And I'm not even going to try to say the French title because I tried to say it earlier and I sounded ridiculous. Foile à doigt. But it's coming and I am so excited. I am so excited to see Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn because obviously she's going to be Harley Quinn. Um, and we did get a date. We got a date of October 4th of 2024. 2024? Yeah, 2024. It wasn't 2025. That's way too long. October 4th, 2024. And we are ready for it. We are ready for it, baby. I haven't heard anything else, but we're going to be, fo- I'm going to be following this very closely, as you know, as my obsessiveness with certain movies and TV is. I will be following this closely and we will be keeping up on it as it comes. But also, we have the third movie by Jordan Peele, Nope, which is officially out. I'm going to be seeing it um, tomorrow. So when you're listening to this, I, I would have already, I'm seeing it tomorrow. This podcast is coming out on Monday. And we'll talk about it the next episode. But to get ready for Nope, um, I actually had my, I actually had my best friend and I, we sat down and we, I made her watch the first two Jordan Peele movies. And I, and I can watch Get Out like over and over and over again. And I watched Us. It's, so Get Out and Us are Jordan Peele's first um, horror movies that he has. Get Out is, I think it's a classic and it's so great. If you haven't seen it, you watch it once and it's one movie and then you watch it again and it's a completely different movie. It's like two for one. It's so cool because of what happens in it and because of the because of the evolving plot. And then Us, funny enough, it was the second time I had seen Us. I'd only seen it once in theaters. Didn't really feel the need to watch it again. Wanted to watch it again. Really glad I did because I picked up on so much more the second time around. Completely forgot the twist. Oh, I guess I just, 
So is it true that when you say that there's a twist that you're spoiling something? I didn't think that was spoiling. I thought spoiling was like flat out saying what it was. Am I right or am I right? I don't know. Anyways, so Us was like a completely different movie this time. I enjoyed it so much more second time around, um, knowing what I knew. And I just appreciated it. When I saw it the first time, I was a little confused. I'm not going to lie. The ending was a little artsy. But when you know the twit, but when you know the like the meat, it makes it so much better. So I'm excited to see Nope. I haven't done a lot of re I don't I didn't want to do a lot of digging. I really want to be surprised. I really don't want to know. I don't want to know anything going into it. I know the context of it. We know that it takes place in inland California. And it takes place out on a gulch, a lonely gulch, allegedly. A lonely gulch. And Apparently, there's just some chilling discovery that happens. That's This is literally the, the, the IMDb description. It says, The residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. Like, okay. But um, I'm so excited. It, it does have, we do know that it does have to deal with aliens. So, like, I'm all about that. All about an alien. All about an alien, um... Well, I'm not going to put that out there. I'm not about an alien encounter. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. Aliens was one of my like biggest fears when I was little. I watched an episode of Clarissa Explains It All that used to be on Nickelodeon. If anyone remembers Clarissa Explains It All with Melissa Joan Hart. Uh, where are my Nandy babies at? Or my Because uh, I'm, I'm a millennial. My millennials. And there was an episode where the aliens came in her bedroom and like took her. And I was pretty much scarred for the rest of my life. So yeah, aliens have always been kind of a sore subject for me. Little frightening. Um, you know, Signs is one of my most favorite movies of all time because like, you know, funny thing about me is like, even though I'm scared of it, I love to watch it kind of kind of vibe. So yeah, this is a, another horror mystery sci-fi. And we do know that Jordan Peele's movies are not just like your typical horror movies. Jordan Peele does social horror. So they always have to do with a social topic. Um, we're seeing race in Get Out. We learn, and then in Us, the social topic is really different class systems, which is pretty pretty fascinating. I have no idea what Nope is. Like I said, don't want to know. I want to go in completely blind. All I know is it has to do with aliens. So I will stay tuned. I will be reviewing Nope on the back end. So I'm very excited to see that. And then as for TV, I watched, it's, it's been pretty light because the last month has been a little crazy, but there's two TV shows that I absolutely loved that I was very pleasantly surprised with. Both of them were on Hulu. Shocker, Hulu's pumping out some, pumping out some good stuff. Hulu really, I feel like only used to be known for Handmaid's Tale. And then now we're having some really, really, really good content come out on Hulu. So the first one I watched was Maggie. And it is a, it's a comedy. They're short, quick episodes. They're 30 minute episodes starring Rebecca Rittenhouse. And Maggie is about, and the reason why, I mean, I, I, I love anything that has to do with a, with a psychic queen, y'all. And, um, so Maggie is a, is a young woman who tries to cope with life while coming to terms with her ability as a psychic. She can see everyone's future, but her present is a mess. So, really liked it and the reason why I liked it is is because it was very it wasn't just some dumb cheesy little comedy it was super charming very smartly written very comedic the actor's timing was actually so funny it was very um it was very how I met your mother vibes where they could they like they had the little flashbacks and they tied in like funny jokes throughout it and then um and then uh like, like the characters were very quirky and the dad of Maggie is actually from Schitt's Creek. And what was his name? His name was like Elliot. Oh, goodness sakes. I was all prepared and he had the cast up and now I can't find him. Chris Elliot. Chris Elliot, who was, um, gosh, my memory, my memory is starting to drip, drip, drip out. He was the, the, the owner of the hotel. Why can I, I know people are probably yelling as they listen to this. Roland, he was Roland. He's the dad of Maggie. It was just, it was really funny. It was very unexpected. I knew I was going to like it anyways, just because of the context. But, um, 
I was not expecting to laugh as much as I did. Wasn't expecting it to like charm me and for it to be very, it was just very smart. The writing was smart. The acting is really good. And you know, who doesn't love a good cliffhanger that it continuously leaves you on? So big fan of Maggie on Hulu. Um, season one is out. And like I said, 30 minute episode. So it's a really nice, light, funny watch. Big fan. The second show that I watched on Hulu, which is probably one of the best shows I've seen in a long time, is da-da-da-da, The Bear, starring Jeremy Allen White. This show, y'all, oh my god, I could sit and watch it. I could watch, like, just countless hours of this show. It is so good. So again, this is going to be more of your drama. It is It is a 30-minute show, though, so it's quick, you get it, but it's 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 full and it's 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 fast and it's intense it's gritty the acting is amazing so basically the premise is is Jeremy Allen White who we all know from Shameless is um, a young chef and he's from the fine dining world but he returns to his home his uh home state he returns to his hometown but he returns to his home state Chicago to run his family's sandwich shop it is so good. It is intense. It is fast paced. It's restaurant. So he's coming from fine dining of like Michelin. He went and was like Michelin trained. And then he comes home to run his brother's restaurant. His brother just recently um, had taken his life. And he's taking over his brother's sandwich shop. His brother didn't leave any note. Um at the beginning of the, you know, we, there was nothing left. There's no communications left. And then him and his sister are pretty much just left with the family shop. Um, the brother was played by John Berthnall, which, O-M-G. I love John Berthnall. John Berthnall was in Walking Dead. John Berthnall was the Punisher on Netflix. I'm obsessed with him. I think it's because he's like the pinnacle of masculinity for me. He's just like overly, he's, he's rough. He's swift talking. He just looks like he has like emotions that run deep. He looks like he just like grab you and just like kiss you. Like he just is just, a, he's just a man and I love it. But he played the brother and there's some flashbacks with him. And um, Jeremy Allen White is absolutely phenomenal in this. Jeremy Allen White is amazing in in Shameless. I feel like he's, he's just an amazing actor. He does play, it's not lip, but Jeremy Allen White, I feel like, has this this very unique thing about the roles that he does where he he plays these characters where he's constantly looks like he's just boiling inside. And it's like everything around him is crashing and falling down and he's just like hanging on by a thread. And he does such a good job of like keeping the work that he does internally when he's acting is so impressive to me. It's so captivating to watch. I mean, I could watch him forever, but this show is great. It's like I said, it's fast paced. It takes place in the kitchen. So he comes into his brother's sandwich shop, which is just complete. It's, you know, everyone's been doing their own thing for years and everyone's doing their own thing. The sandwich shop is not, is not, is not up to par at all. Probably not up to code and everyone's doing their own thing. Nobody's working as a team. It is like a legendary spot that I think people, you know, people in, in, in the neighborhood go to. But it is, I mean, let's just, let's just, let's just say it. It's a shithole. <laughs> and Jeremy Allen White, his character's name is Carmen, but he goes by Carmi. He comes in and basically does a 180 and starts applying the technique and the just kind of process that he learned from his training. And I love it. Starts calling everyone chef, chef, yes, chef, yes, chef, yes, chef, do this, chef, yes, chef. I hear you, chef. And, um... <laughs> It, which I love my like, my like family has an inside joke and in where my brother just always calls when we actually were on vacation, we do, everyone does like a, like a cooking night and the night that my family did it and all of my siblings and my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, we were all in the kitchen just like, yes, yeah, chef. All right, chef. How's that doing? Chef. Yes, yeah, chef. Thank you, chef. <laughs> just call each other chef. But, um, yeah, it's, it's intense. It's greedy. And I've seen a lot of people posting about it that have worked in the restaurant industry. Um, I worked in the restaurant industry, but I would not call myself a, like a restaurant professional. I was a bartender. I was a server. I was a hostess. I did it to get by. And I'm going to tell you right now, restaurant is not for the week. Restaurant work is not for the week. I think that everyone in the face of the war, in the face of the planet 
should work in restaurant. Restaurant teaches you skills that you cannot learn anywhere else. And it is pressure. It is fast paced. And that is everything that this show is. But it's the writing is great. The acting is great. The storyline is great. It's emotional. It's heartfelt. It's intense. You can't breathe at certain times. It honestly is one of the best TV shows I've seen in a minute. And it's my favorite. So I'm giving I'm giving the bear five out of five beef sandwiches. And so good. I cannot wait to gobble up. Let's <laughs> see what I did there. I cannot wait to gobble up season two when it comes out. Because I, I had no idea that these were 30-minute episodes. And I watched it so fast. And then I was so sad when it was over. But um, so those are your two TV wrecks. I'm sure one of the two will probably tickle your fancy. Either Maggie on Hulu or The Bear on Hulu. Super, super great. All right, y'all. That's all I had. That's all I had for this episode. We are we are done. Here we are. If you're still listening at this point, I thank you so much for your time. I thank you so much for your ears. And I had I had a time. I had a lovely time chatting with you. So this is a, uh, yeah, we're just going to put a pin in it. I, I can, can you tell that I get like end of ending, end of show anxiety and I never know how to wrap this up <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever. Oh, all right, y'all. Well, this has been another episode of Mad Yet Mighty. I'm your host, Megan Cipollone, and I will talk to you next time.